Good morning, everyone. In Jesus' time, I'd like to remind you that the Hebrew people, for them it was sinful and even punishable to bear false witness against someone or to attempt to entrap them. And so we see the religious authorities of their time are doing a very simple thing. The religious leaders uh, are trying to entrap Jesus. They want to discredit him. And they pose a question to him. Is it lawful to pay the tax to Caesar? Jesus calls them hypocrites uh, because of their insincerity. Remember, the Pharisees, and in this case the Herodians, uh, um, and I'll bring up the Sadducees, they do not like each other. These are groups that are at odds with each other. And although these three groups detest each other, they become united to conspire against Jesus. They want to discredit him. Uh, they would like the people uh, to not follow him or listen to him anymore. So here it is. Jesus, if Jesus says, pay the tax to Caesar, the Pharisees would label him a traitor to the Jewish people, and they would hope then the Jewish people wouldn't listen to him. If Jesus says, don't pay the Herodians under King Herod, who collects the taxes and takes a portion for their own, would label him a traitor and try and get Rome to imprison him. As we're told, Jesus knows the trap, and he gives a very amazing answer and one that is applied in our time also. Repay to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's? In this, my friends, I believe Jesus is saying that we have a certain responsibility, uh, and he's, in this case, Caesar. Caesar is the government. But it is limited. But your faithfulness belongs to God. I believe Jesus implies repay to Caesar what is Caesar's, reminding them that if they are benefiting from the advantages of the Roman government, such as protection from enemies, infrastructure, water systems, those kind of things, they should pay their fair taxes. My friends, what helps me to understand this is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter talks about something like this. So in our time, because people, well, how does this apply to us? Well, in our time, we have in this country something known as separation of church and state. Absolutely, we do not want any church to be the arm of a political party. However, to say that there needs to be this absolute separation, meaning the church's voice is to be silent when it comes to our country, we don't need that either. My friends, the reality is that there is no such thing as absolute separation of church and state. And I'm going to be very real with you now. I cannot officiate a wedding without a county-issued wedding license. If I attempt to bring two people together in marriage without this permit, the state will forbid me from officiating weddings. And the permit, it's getting more expensive. The last couple said, oh, Father, it's almost $100. And I'm like, complain to the governor. <laughs> My friends, the state regulates many things 
regarding religious institutions. I've been trying to put a portable on a piece of property here, and I can't. I've been trying to open up a driveway in the front for us, and it becomes impossible. I'm just being real with you. And my friends, uh, this idea that there is sanctuary, I will claim sanctuary and hide in the church and the government won't come after me. They can, if they choose to. They choose not to because they're a little bit fearful of you guys. You'll raise your voice and cause a stink, so they don't. But they can, if they wish. Of course, my friends, there are benefits for having a government, such as protection, policing, emergency services, protecting our borders. My friends, uh, keeping it real, the government exempts church property when it is used from taxation. But if the church owns property that it's not using, we must pay tax on it. The government does not tax collections as income inside the church, but not because it's friendly to us, but because we use that money to provide charitable services, and they don't want to mess with that. So in truth, there is no absolute separation of church and state. However, in this uneasy relationship, the church and her members have the moral obligation to question official government policies, particularly when they come into conflict with gospel values. And we are not to be shamed by it or intimidated by anyone. My friends, government policies have a wide-reaching effect, including into morals, because policies from a state can build up or weaken families. It can protect or destroy life. It strengthens or diminishes human dignity. It can support or burden the practice of the freedom of religion. I believe our Lord's words apply not only to church when he said give, but believe me, it belongs to each disciple that belongs to him. And each of you also have political inclinations. Your faith is absolutely and without question to influence your politics. We Christians have an obligation to bring moral vision to the nation that we live in, just as any other citizen. So when the Lord says, repay to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to render to God what is God's, the Lord is not speaking only about an institution, but about his very people. The Lord is speaking about his disciples, because while we may have responsibility to government, we have a covenant with God that must be fulfilled. We give government our taxes and even, in a limited way, our duty as citizens. But your conscience and your soul and the choices that flow from this belong to God and God alone. 
Why? Because you are made in His image. And you belong to Him. This is the other side of that statement when he says, whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Well, give it to him. I can just see Jesus. And whose image are you made in? It's found in Genesis. You are made in his image. You belong to him. You are made in his likeness. And to be made in his likeness, in order to be true images then of the Heavenly Father, we must conduct our very selves like him. Image his character for the world. We are graced to be made in his image. And in that grace is power and authority. Many Christians do not understand that power and authority. Go to Genesis. God said, they're made in our image and I give them power over the name everything. You have power over your fears. He said, over all creatures, even the creature of fear, you have power and authority. Exercise it. You are masters over any problems, especially moral ones. You have the capacity to know and understand because God has revealed it to you by divine revelation in his Son. In the end, we will be liable for what we have done as individuals, disciples, and as citizens, not to the government, but to God. I tell you, if you try to separate your faith from your politics, you will not have peace ever. You just won't have it. My friends, I find today Christians, all of them, not, not just Catholics, all Christians, with these comments, Christianity is too tough. It's too hard. It's not practical. It's not feasible in this day and age. Yeah, well, the scriptures said that. Jesus said it was going to be difficult. The ideals of Christianity I really like, but living it out with integrity and sincerity is not possible. Yes, it is. You don't want to. This is the one that really gets me. People won't like me. Do you think they like you now? <laughs> Does everyone like you? No, they don't. No more excuses. No more excuses about living out your Christianity publicly with integrity. My friends, no more excuses. When there is a clash between government mandates and what God has commanded us, and it's typically around right morals and ethics, you know this, but I'm going to state it, not everything the government deems legal is necessarily moral and ethical. It's just the way it is. The disciples of Jesus must follow the higher precepts of God. 
Our Lord, when calling disciples to render to God what belongs to God, reminds them of their obligation and fidelity and love is for his Father in heaven. Your Father, my Father, his Father, our God. I believe Jesus acknowledged government's role. And you can go to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament to see how this plays out, but we caught a little piece of that in the first reading. God used the king to bring them back into exile and get things set up. God used the government of that time to help his people. So I believe Jesus acknowledges government's role, but its authority and power is limited, and it is never, ever to displace God. Your loyalty, your fidelity, and your love belong to God, in whose image and likeness you have been created. Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to him. Pay your tax. But give to God what belongs to God. That is you. And your love. And your faithfulness. Your caring. And your forgiveness. This is how we image him. This is how we truly walk in his image. Amen?